Welcome back to the More God, Less Me podcast. My name is Justin Lee. You know, to be honest, I really thought that being on Christmas vacation and all those things would make doing the podcast and everything more simple, but I really feel like rhythms make such a major impact in your life. Like, what you do daily makes it easier to do something, but when your rhythm changes, like being off for work, you know, using your vacation time before Christmas, changes your rhythm, changes the ability to be able to do things. So now it's late in the evening. It's about the time, honestly, that I would normally post this podcast. And here I am recording it, still needing to edit and get it up. But I just think it's interesting. I thought it would be so much easier. It's like, oh, once I'm off work, you know, it'll be so much easier. And then it's like, well, here's this whole other list of things, non-work related, that you also need to do. But anyways, today's episode is an important one. So I'm glad that you have decided to join me. We're going to be talking about something that affects every Christian everywhere, really on a regular basis. That being the trials, temptations, and tests that we all go through, whether we want to admit it or not. Because the adversary is going to do and is doing everything he can to pull us away from God. And that's why we struggle in many of the various ways that we do. Maybe not every struggle we face is a trial from the enemy. But there are a lot of things that come into our lives as temptations, as tests, as trials devised by our enemy in in a strategic, orchestrated attack to pull us away from God. But praise God that we don't have to succumb to these attacks. We can have guaranteed victory over the devil. And I know that that sounds crazy. To some people, it sounds like that wouldn't be possible. But I believe that the Bible shows us that there are ways There are things that we can do to guarantee our ability to be victorious against our enemy. Now, this episode of the podcast, I'm going to do contrary to the podcast laws, if you will. Because normally in a podcast, you'll save the best thing until last. Hoping that people are going to listen longer, people are going to stay with you until the very end to get that that listener watch time up, all those things. And I understand that. But I believe that what God has shown me through this podcast and or in this podcast for this podcast and through the scripture can really help people who are under attack and help them to find, you know, release and to find peace and to find the strength that they need to go on. I really don't want anybody tuning out before they get what they need to experience victory. So I'm going to drop the greatest way to guarantee victory right here in the beginning of the podcast. And this isn't going to be my opinion or what I think you should do, because my opinion doesn't matter on any subject. My opinion truly does not matter. I would tell you, don't just take my word for things, but take the word of God for it. And that's the thing. What matters about everything is what God says in the Bible. What he has said through the prophets and through the men of God, he chose to write the Bible. That's what matters. And in the Bible, God gives us the guaranteed way to have victory over the enemy. We can see it in the book of James. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's a clear promise of Scripture. Obviously, it starts by saying that we need to submit ourselves to God, and that does a great wonder in our lives and a great wonder in if the devil's really going to come after us or not. But then it goes on to say to resist the devil. And it says, and he will, not might, should, or could, but that he will flee from you. If we want to overcome the enemy, if you want to have the guaranteed victory, then we must resist him. It really is that simple. That's how you can guarantee victory in any situation. 
I think many Christians know this verse and they call to resist the devil, but they simply don't know how to do it. We think of resisting the devil like we do a child resisting their parents at the store by throwing themselves on the floor and not moving, screaming like they can't hear what their parent was saying. As someone resists or as someone resisting being moved by giving dead weight, or even somebody that's resisting capture just by simply running away. But acting like you can't hear, refusing to move, and even trying to outrun the situation will not help you when you are facing spiritual attacks. Because our enemy, the devil, is not working in the physical, but the spiritual, and really, in many ways, the mental. So when we try to face any kind of attack from the enemy, temptation to sin, wicked thoughts, anxiety, and even lies in our mind, those methods aren't going to work. The way that we will resist in those times is by running to God. Resisting the devil and being victorious requires clinging tightly to God. It's almost like if I can see it in my mind of like the there's clips in movies and things that you've seen where the bully is chasing down this kid, chasing, 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 and that kid runs all the way to their house and their parents like sit on the front porch and they just run up and they grab their parent. And then you know, that bully's just like standing there looking all mean and then just walks off. That's kind of the same thing with the enemy. When we turn and run to God, the devil can't catch us and he can't touch us when we go to our Heavenly Father. That's what we need to do. And at various times, I believe that we all do that. We all run to God. Every Christian eventually is going to make the point to turn to God, but if we're honest, more often than not, we don't do so immediately. Many if not most, Christians are slow to turn to God. We try to withstand the attack and temptation on our own instead of crying out to God right away. But that's not the way that it should be. Our first response, really, in any time of need, should be to immediately cry out to the Lord for help. I believe by doing so, we will receive the same immediate help that Peter did when he began to sink in the water. We all know the story. Peter was briefly able to walk on water to meet Jesus. but his eyes shifted. He turned away and did, stopped looking at God and began to look at all the surroundings. And by looking at the surroundings, he began to have fear. And when that fear sank in, that's when Peter also began to sink. We see this in Matthew chapter 14, verses 30 through 31. It says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? In that, we see that Peter didn't wait to cry out for help. The Bible clearly says that he did so when he began to seek, not once he'd been fully submerged or was treading water. It's not like Peter was trying to swim back to the boat when he finally decided that he couldn't do it and he sought the Lord's help. No, it says he was just beginning to sink. Beginning to sink, he cried out. That's what it says. For the Lord to save him, and praise God, it says immediately, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Peter didn't, didn't hesitate to seek the help that he needed, and the Lord didn't hesitate to provide said help. The same is true in our lives. When we are under attack, we don't need to wait, hoping it will pass or trying to handle it ourselves. If you want immediate support, and really, if you want immediate relief during an attack from the enemy, then all you need to do is turn to God first thing. Then you will find comfort and strength in the Lord, and the enemy will flee from you. But why does that work? Why, why will the enemy flee from us just because we resisted by turning to God, by running towards God? Well, when we begin to break it down and think about what's happening, it makes a lot of sense. At least it does to me. Because 
Satan is trying to pull us away from God. That is his ultimate goal. That's all he wants to do. He wants to take as many people to hell as possible. Because he knows that hell wasn't... That's the other thing. Let's just clarify that really quick. Sidebar. Hell wasn't created for bad people. Hell was created to punish Satan and his enemies. And sin entering the world through Eve, that was what the devil figured out, is if I can get her, I might be able to trick her into being evil, and she'll join me in the punishment created for me. The devil isn't going to rule hell. He's going to be facing the same torment and punishment as anybody else that's in hell. It was created for his punishment. And he's trying to take as many people there as possible with him. And that's what happens when people don't believe in God, when they're pulled away, all those various things. It's the enemy trying to take people with him, not because he'll be the ruler of them, but because he doesn't want to suffer alone. And so that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to pull people away. But if every time the enemy attacks us, we use that attack to draw closer to God, then he's going to give up. Or as James put it so well, flee. Because we have to understand that Satan doesn't want to do anything to improve our relationship with God or to cause us to rely more on the Lord than we were before. So turning to God during those difficult times, time and time again, will cause the enemy to give up that tactic because it clearly isn't producing the outcome he desires. It's only strengthening your relationship with God. And so he will, he will stop that, and honestly, he will look for another way to draw you away. And so you need to be prepared. You may be able to resist one thing and run to God, but you need to be prepared and working so you can resist all things and run to God. But that, that's such a major thing to realize, is that the enemy doesn't want to push you towards God. And so if you can use what the enemy's trying to use to pull you away to draw closer to God, he will leave you alone in that area of your life. And that's the response we should have to every area of attack and temptation. Every time we have a wicked thought, Every time we have an intrusive thought that makes us think that we're not worthy of salvation, that, that we're not loved, that we are different, that we are weird, that we aren't what we are supposed to be, we need to run to God in those things. Taking in those things to God in prayer, even if that thought's saying that God doesn't love you, that's not what the Bible says. And so we can turn to God, run to God, and that thought will dissipate. It will vanish. It will flee from your mind when you're seeking after the Lord. And the more you do that in those times of battle, that's how you get the victory. My pastor talks about a very similar thing to this, and really I think the example gives a tangible way to apply what I'm saying in your situation. You see, before he was saved, he smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. And as a new convert, he knew he needed to quit, but he was struggling to do so. It was very difficult to overcome that addiction. And eventually, though, he says he came up with a plan. He figured out that it took about five minutes to smoke a cigarette. And so every time he got that urge to smoke a cigarette, he would go and pray for five minutes straight. No matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, if he wanted to smoke a cigarette, he would stop and he would pray for five minutes straight. And by doing this, the temptation quickly broke in his life. He was able to quickly overcome that addiction because he went to God every time the temptation came and he replaced that. He gave it a reason to stop. He, he resisted the devil by turning to God and in his life, the devil fled. I really believe that no matter what kind of attack you are facing, prayer is the best way to resist it. Turn to God in prayer every time the enemy comes against you. Pray for strength in that situation. Pray for wisdom, guidance, and of course, help. Give thanks for everything you've been blessed with and even take the time to pray for others. Really, 
it's it's a time don't just sit there and say god help me with this help me with this help me with this like pray real prayers you know i'm not saying don't ask god for help but don't do the vain repetitions allow your mind to go somewhere else because a lot of times we'll go and we'll pray like oh god please take this away take this away take this away god i pray that you would take this away from me i don't want to think about this i don't want to think about this but you're keeping yourself in that mindset and that way of thinking by doing that instead by when you begin to pray for others and things like that then you'll be able to feel that release in the spirit because you're not thinking about those things anymore and that release in the spirit is really like christianese for the temptation subsiding your thoughts changing you know no longer feeling the attack really prayer connects us with god it invites god's hand to move in our situation and prayer as a result of temptation is going to drive the enemy away from your presence so prayer is just something that you should do it's really the answer to everything and when you make a habit of praying every time temptation comes that's only going to further drive the enemy away and to make him stop tempting you, to make him stop trying you in those various ways. Honestly, like there's, there's more that we're going to talk about in this episode of the podcast, but if you take one thing from it, every time you feel a spiritual attack, no matter what it is, whatever your personal spiritual attack is, if it's something that, if it's the devil playing tricks on your mind, saying things, lying to you, if it's him tempting you to sin, whatever it is, every time that happens, turn to God in prayer. That's how you run to God. The way we run to God isn't physically. We don't have to run to a church. We don't have to run to a certain sacred place. Praise God, we can talk to him wherever the veil has been torn. That's what it means is God is available in all places to all people, anywhere, anytime. And so the way that we run to God is by turning to him and just speaking to him in prayer. God, I pray that you would help me with this. I pray that you would just give me wisdom and give me the strength. God, I pray that you'd give me understanding. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are going through similar things. Just praying like that. It's that simple prayer feels hard sometimes but it's as easy as talking to a friend or talking to a parent you just have to talk to god a lot of people go to therapists nowadays to talk and i think that's on a rise well for one because we have so many less christians and we have and even in christian circles there's so many people going to therapists because they don't talk to god they would rather go talk to someone else who really if you think about what therapy is i've studied some of the different methods of therapy, um, reading different Christian counseling books, and they talk about, obviously, the Christian way to counsel, which is to point people to prayer, to point people to Bible, to point people to biblical truth in their situations. But the world's answer to prayer is really to have you talk about your issue out loud. And that's a lot of it. They don't ever solve your issue. They don't really tell you what to do. They just listen. That's what most therapists, in most cases, are going to do. Well, you don't have to pay for that. You can just go to God. You don't need a therapist if you have God who you can go and talk to, and God's going to respond and move in those situations in far greater ways than a therapist ever could, so it'd be so much better for you. I'm not saying anything bad against therapy. I do believe that if you need counseling, if you need therapy, to go to a Christian counselor. But above that, don't replace your communication, your prayer life, your time talking to your God and your Creator, your Father who wants to know everything about your life and be involved and be asked into your life. Don't neglect that time just to go talk to somebody else. Spend that time talking with God. Because there's really nothing better we can do. If you want victory in your situation, if you want to overcome things, if you want change in your life, then spend more and more time in prayer. It's not easy. It's a workout. It takes time to, to crucify the flesh, as the Bible says, to put the flesh in submission and be able to give that time to God, but you'll never regret it. It's literally something you'll never regret. But 
If we want to have the best chance of victory in our life, then we need to do all the things that the Bible gives us the opportunity to, such as using God's word to fend off the devil and put him in his place. That's exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted in the wilderness. It's the example of battling temptation that our Lord and Savior gave us to live by. The enemy attempted to tempt Jesus three different times, and he even twisted God's word, just like he did with Eve in the garden. But unlike Eve, every time Satan tried to tempt Jesus, he would respond with the truth of Scripture and silence the enemy on that subject. There was never like a rebuttal on a subject when you read through that passage. Really, every single time, the enemy's just like, oh, well, he's got the truth. I can't do anything. But Eve didn't come back with the truth, right? She came back with a little bit different version of the truth, but Jesus responded with the fullness of truth. And so the enemy could not stand against that. He can't stand against it when we use it in that way either. And Jesus finally drove the enemy away after his final temptation recorded in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 8. It says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, All these I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone. Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Remember, he was being ministered to because he had fasted in the wilderness for 40 days before that time. But we can do the same thing. We can, we can be tempted by the enemy. Look, I'll give you all these things, and we'll say we can't serve, but if you just, sorry, I'll give you all these things if you bow to me. Well, the Bible says that, it, that you shall not worship, that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's that simple. We can use the scripture to silence the enemy and ultimately drive him away, just like Jesus did. When the enemy is telling you lies from hell, turn to him with the fullness of truth from scripture. If you're being attacked about any given subject, such as God's love for you, the assurance of your salvation, God's existence, or even if you're being tempted to sin, you can find a verse speaking directly about that subject to believe in, speak over your life, recite in times of need, and commit to memory so that you're always ready when the attack comes. Using God's word in these ways is a proven way to drive the enemy away. It really is. We can take God's word, and when that thing pops in our mind, we can recite the verse that perfectly goes with it. And you know the thing that you're challenged with. The enemy doesn't create a new attack if it's still working. He continues to use the same thing over and over again. And that means that you're able to identify the attack and do the research you need and prepare on your own and find the scripture you need to meet it in that time of attack. But why does this one work? We, we know why prayer works, but why does reciting the Bible work? Well, in the spiritual realm, we're told that the Word of God is our sword. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we train with God's Word and learn to yield it properly, we can fend off and even defeat the enemy with it. But to use the Bible as a sword like Jesus did, then you have to put the effort in to actually learn the Scripture. You can't respond in faith with God's Word and not know God's Word. The sword of the Word is a mighty weapon for those who know how to yield it. It can guarantee victory, but it takes time and practice to get to a place where it can. If you're tired of failing to the same attacks over and over again, stop doing what you have been doing and start learning God's Word. Whatever you're doing, we can all admit this, I've been in those places before too, and what I was doing wasn't working. What was I doing? Well, 
I was just trying to sheer willpower myself to not sin. Well, that's not the guaranteed way to victory. We have no strength in ourselves. But in our weakness, God is made strong, and we can rely on His strength to help us in these times of battle. We're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to take the time to study, to read, and to pray over the Scriptures so that we can learn to use the great weapon that God has provided for our benefit. And we really need to think about a sword for a minute, right? No one's just handed a sword and knows how to use it. No one could just, you couldn't, you couldn't handle, you couldn't hand somebody who's never held a sword, hand them a sword and put them up against somebody who's even a beginner, who's just had a few lessons with a sword. Which one's going to do better? This guy has no idea what to do with a sword. He knows how to like hold it and like wave it in front of him, but there is technique. There is thought and planning and things that you do and ways to yield a sword that will make you victorious, and the same is true with God's Word. We can't just expect to not ever practice with God's Word, not ever spend time in God's Word, and be able to use it in our time of need. It's not going to work. We have to learn how to use God's Word so that it can benefit our lives, which is the reason God gave it to us. But we don't just need to stop with learning how to use the Word. Really, we need to, to put on the full armor of God. And it's listed in that same chapter. Ephesians chapter 6, we are told of the full armor of God. If we start at verse 11, it says to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Well, that tells us exactly why we need the full armor of God and really why we need to do everything that we're talking about. But he goes on to say in verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. That's an interesting way to put that. In all circumstances, in every aspect, everything you're doing, take up the shield of faith because with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In this verse, Paul makes it abundantly clear. Really, he confirms what we already know to be true from experience, that we're facing attack on a regular basis. And he blesses us by telling us that we are not without hope or defenseless, but that we have everything we need to be victorious, to stand firm in the day of attack. With this is a great truth to put your trust in. It must be understood that this only works, though, if, you're, if you use the armor and you use it properly. This is an interesting story because not that long ago, I was driving down the road. In my, in my city, and I see a guy just walking around with a belt in his hand. And he's just walking down the sidewalk, and then all of a sudden he just stops. And he starts putting that belt on. And I don't know what he was doing. I don't live in a rough part of town. You know, it's not like, I don't, I don't imagine he was on drugs or anything weird like that. I don't, we weren't in an area where it's like he just walked out his front door and like, you know, got distracted and didn't put his belt on yet. Like he was pretty far away from any kind of like apartments or housing really. So I can't really begin to know what he was doing, but all I could think was, you know, that belt did you nothing. 
that belt was doing nothing for you up until that point. Yes, you had it. You knew you had it. You had knowledge of it. But in no way was it serving you in the way that it was supposed to serve you. No way was it providing the purpose that it was created for. And a belt in the hand won't help you hold your pants up. Just like having the armor of God in the corner isn't going to do you any good. If you want to be able to withstand the attack of the enemy and come out victorious, you need to use every piece of armor that God has supplied you. You need truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and God's word. Find them all. Learn how to put them on. Learn truth. Learn these things because these things are what help you in your battles against the enemy. They can help you face off, bend off, and defeat him, right? Any attack, you'll be prepared if you have those things. But if you just know there is some armor, those are the armor things over there. Or sometimes I carry the knowledge of armor with me, but I don't, I don't want to deal with like putting it on and like being ready. Well, then you're not going to be ready for the attack, and the attack could come at any time. We don't know when we're going to go under attack. So unless you're living in the armor, it's not going to help you in your time of need. You're not going to be able to quickly put on faith in a moment in order to fend off fiery arrows of the devil. You need to carry that faith with you in every circumstance. Just like it said, real armor can feel constrictive and uncomfortable. But when the attack is deflected, you'll be so glad that you had the armor on. And really the same is the truth for, for the Spirit. Like some people can feel like the things of God, righteousness and truth and all these things, Oh, this is so constrictive. God doesn't want me to do this. God doesn't want me to do that. I don't know. I just don't really feel comfortable about some of these things. But man, the moment that the enemy tries to attack you and you don't hardly feel that attack and you're able to win and you don't fall into shame and despair and sadness again like you did in your past life, you're going to be glad you had those things on. You're going to realize, oh, this isn't as constrictive as I thought. This is some protection. This is some things that can help me in order to walk through this life without the struggles that I used to have. Praise God, I'm glad to be in it. Just like the knight would have been glad to be in his armor whenever he's just riding down there and then all of a sudden, there's his enemy. Well, I'm glad I put my armor on today. Well, my enemy's looking for me everywhere. So I'm glad that I have my spiritual armor on every single day. I may not get to do the sinful things that the world does, but looking back on my past life and looking at my life now, I'm so glad that I don't. It's not constrictive. It may feel that way at first, but oh, the freedom you have in God. True freedom. Lack of addiction. Addiction is the opposite of freedom. And a lot of people in the world today think they have freedom simply because they're able to practice addiction. But they're more locked in to their addiction than most Christians are with their faith. They're more regimented in their addiction than most Christians are in their willingness to pray or to read the Bible. And that's the problem. Because they need, they need help, obviously. But we look at them like, oh, look at the freedom they have to do whatever they want. They're addicted to whatever it is that, they, that, that makes it look so good to you right now. They're addicted to it, to money, to greed, to anger, to pride, to sexual immorality. Those are the kind of addiction, and they can't do anything without wanting to go for more of it. But praise God, we don't have those chains on us anymore. God has broke every chain. Whew. I really got far into that. But the moral of the story is that God doesn't provide these things to weigh you down or to constrict you. 
but to give you everything you need to make it safely through this fallen world. And I know to some that making all these analogies about attack and the enemy and, oh, we're being this and that, they can sound crazy. It can sound crazy to some people, to some different Christians, but honestly, it cannot be denied. Why do you think you're struggling in the way that you do? Why did Paul give us this armor and warn us of a spiritual attack that we're facing? Our Bible makes it clear that we have an adversary and that he wants to attack us, that he wants to tear us down, and that he wants to separate us from God. Peter, in the fifth chapter and eighth verse of his first letter, makes it very clear. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, be ready all the time, look everywhere what you're doing. He goes on to say, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So Paul, or sorry, Peter starts off by making a point of warning us that our enemy is real and that he's lurking on the attack. He's telling us to pay attention because he's hiding in the background waiting to pounce. Facing spiritual attacks real. It can't be avoided. It's something we are all going to face on a regular basis as Christians. Now, what I find most interesting about Peter's statement is that he compares the enemy to a lion. And I find that interesting because, you know, having watched enough Animal Planet or, or National Geographic growing up, I know that lions often don't seek the strongest prey. They look for those who are weak or even injured to target because they know that those targets won't be able to escape them and leave them hungry. They're going to look, they, they, the reason that a lion is on the prowl is not just because, oh, you know, uh, I don't have anything better to do today. No, he's hungry. He's going around thinking, I got to eat, and so I'm not going to go after something I may not be able to get. I'm going after the guaranteed meal. He's looking for the low-hanging fruit, right? What he can achieve. And so they look for those who are weak and, or even injured to target. If a lion's, in the lion's world, as really in most things, it's the strong that survive and thrive. And I believe that that's why the Bible relates the devil to a lion. Because while the devil wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible, he's going to put more focus on the easy targets than the hard ones. Because it's a numbers game. How many can I get? Well, I'm not going to be as, able to get as many of the strong faith ones, but those of the weak faith. Those I can go after, and I might be able to pull them away. And that's why it's so important that every one of us as a Christian, we need to work to strengthen our faith, right? Paul talks about it. He says that bodily exercise profits a little bit, but spiritual exercise profits much because it has benefits today and for eternity, right? We need to be strengthening ourselves, becoming strong. In the faith, we should be studying the Word, putting on the armor, and conditioning ourselves to turn to God first in every situation, which is not as easy as it sounds. But we should be conditioning. Oh, this happened. God. Oh, this thing comes up in my mind. God. Like, we need the first thing we need to do every situation, all that we do is to turn to God. That is what we should do, is turn to God every single time that we have the opportunity to. Doing these things is going to make us less appealing. And really... I believe it's going to keep many of the enemy's attacks at bay because he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go after this person or that person. I'm not really going to go after them. That's the reason that some people don't struggle as much in the faith. Because it's not because they're just better people or more blessed or have more of the favor of God. That's not why certain people don't struggle as much. 
the reason that you see some people not struggle as much, not fall in the same ways, not going through the same trials and tribulations as you, is because they're stronger in the faith and less appealing to the enemy. He looks at them and says, I don't really know what to do to get them to pull away. Everything I do, they just turn to God. So I'm not going to go after them, but this person, they hardly pray. They don't read their Bible. They don't even have that much faith. They don't have the shield to hold up against my arrow. So I'm going I'm to start lobbing stuff at them and hope we'll be able to knock them out. That's going to take me a lot less time, a lot less work, and then I can go after this person because they're also that way. But that strong person, I'm going to have to come up with a real plan to come after those. Why go after those close to God when he could easily take out the stragglers? Right? It makes sense when you think about it this way. Now, of course, that doesn't mean, and I've tried to make that point as I've said this, but it doesn't mean that we ever are going to reach a place where we never again face attack from the enemy. Even when we drive the devil away during one attack, that doesn't mean that he's not going to come back. Even though strong in the faith, the devil's going to come, and he's going to try because he has to. It's in his nature. He wants to pull people away from God. And so he's going to try against those people, and those people are going to face attacks, and they are going to face struggles and things like that. But it's going to be different. And really, in a lot of ways, they're not going to feel it in the same way that somebody weak in the faith would feel it either. They're going to experience the attack in a different manner because they're armed. You know, certain things aren't going to affect them like it would affect those who have less armor or weaker armor. But even when we drive the enemy away, that's, this is something so important, and I want you to pay attention to this, because even when we drive the enemy away, he's going to come back. We see this in Luke's account of Jesus' temptation. It says it very clearly. He says, and when the devil, sorry, this is Luke chapter 4, verse 13, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the devil even left Jesus thinking, I'm going to keep watching, and when the opportunity arises, I'm going to come back. Well, Jesus was the strongest one to ever live in the faith, right? He was God incarnate, God in the flesh. The, the Colossians says the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in Jesus bodily. So we know that Jesus was real strong, and if the devil was like, oh, I'm going to come back again, then we need to believe that even when we have guaranteed victory, even when we end up victorious, that doesn't mean the battle is over. That doesn't mean that the devil is done trying to attack us. We can't believe that he'll ever fully give up on trying to pull us away. He's going to do it. Until we reach the glory land, the devil's going to come after us. And it's something to be aware of so we never stand so highly and think, oh, the devil can't get me, that we end up falling, right? We need to realize that he's going to come for us every chance that he gets. He's always lurking around looking for the right opportunity. And when he sees the opportunity, he is going to pounce. And so we need to be always ready for when he does try us. But the stronger that we are in the faith, the weaker his attacks seem. Now, it's important to remember because like Peter said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We shouldn't be surprised, shocked, or upset when the trials of life and the attacks of the enemy come. They're expected, and as such, we should prepare so that we may be ready to overcome them and emerge victorious. Now, I have one final way that is equally as important as these others, and when you combine these things together, oh, how strong you'll be and how much more guaranteed victory you will be that you can have. And this last thing that I want to talk about is not carrying your kryptonite with you. Don't carry, stay close to, or return to the very things that you know will cause you to sin. 
Remove those things from your life. Get rid of every aspect of your life that the enemy has used time and time again to pull you away from God, to cause you to do the things that you know you don't want to do. Get rid of those things. As Christians, we must remove these stumbling blocks and do just as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. It says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Don't keep the things that are going to lead you to hell, but cast them into the fire, trash, or streets. No matter what it is. Jesus goes as far as to say you should remove even your eye or hand if it causes you to stumble. But this applies to literally everything that sets you up for failure. My pastor has a saying on this for those who struggle with looking at listening content on their phones or anything that causes you to sin on your phone, really. He says, it would be better to go to heaven without a phone than to go to hell with a smartphone. And that's a circumstance a lot of people live in today. And we know this is true. On some level, it makes sense. But rarely do people actually follow through with it. Many are just as connected with their phones today as they are their actual hands, right? People would almost be willing to give up their hand just to keep their phone. It's sad because of all the sin and wickedness that comes from phone, greed, you know, pride, all those different things, anger, malice, all those things, and obviously, you know, sexual immorality, all those things can come from that small device, and people aren't willing to give it up. But Christians, this isn't the way we should act. This is not the way that it should be. Nothing should be more important to you than your eternal salvation. We should be willing to give up anything and everything to walk the right path for God, whether it's certain friends, family, habits, places, or things, including something as silly as a cell phone, something that people live for thousands of years without ever needing. Oh, how we should get rid of that sort of thing and cast it from us if it's what's causing us to sin. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you need to get rid of those things. Anything that sets you up for the enemy attacks and makes you weaker. You think about it this way. Somebody who wants to quit smoking, they're not going to carry a pack of cigarettes in their, their I was going to say their back pocket, but I'm not sure that would make sense because then you'd sit on it and crush them or whatever. But anyways, somebody who's wanting to quit smoking isn't going to carry around a pack of cigarettes because the pull would be too strong. How can I quit smoking when it's as easy as just pulling one out and lighting it? The same is true for sin. The pull is too strong to have that which causes you to sin still with you all the time. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's pulling you to sin, don't think you have the willpower to overcome it because you haven't had that willpower in the past. Why would you think you have it now? Don't put yourself through that kind of torture. Instead, heed the master's call and cast those things from you and find freedom. Freedom is available to you, and you can have it if you're willing to make some sacrifices. Because you're never going to have guaranteed victory as long as you keep holding on to the things that guarantee you defeat. If you find yourself always wondering why you are constantly falling and succumbing to temptation, then look at what you keep close in your life. And are those things, no matter what it may be, what's causing it? And we're not like, I don't know. I just think anything that keeps you Always falling is something you should remove from your life, and that's what the Bible says, and that's what makes it very clear. 
given up and sacrificed to the service of God. It might be hard and painful in the moment for the flesh, just like most issues of the flesh are. Really, nothing we talked about today is easy or pleasing to the flesh. But once you rip that Band-Aid off and the initial sting is gone, you're going to feel better than you have in a long time. When you, when you learn to pray right, when you learn to read your Bible right, when you get rid of the things that are causing you stress and struggle in your life unnecessarily, you're going to feel better than you ever have before. So don't wait. I truly believe that every Christian can have guaranteed victory, but in order to achieve it, they're going to have to be purposeful. It's going to require action on your part. No battle is won by those not willing to move. You have to be ready. You have to do your part. You have to do your work. You can ask God to take things from you every day, but unless you're willing to do your part and actually not return to those things and actually give those things up, you're never going to have the victory that you desire. Do your part. Strengthen your faith, and you're going to experience that victory. Now. Does this mean that we're not sometimes going to mess up or allow ourselves to become weak and even succumb to the attack? Of course not. We're all flawed in many ways and we all make many mistakes. We're weak people and we won't always live the way that we should. But praise God that he is always willing to forgive us and receive us with open arms just like the father of the prodigal son. I really like what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1-2. through 2. He says, My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you may sin not. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with our Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The way that I look at this, and the way that I, I think that what he's saying is the goal, is that we don't sin. But praise God that if we do, forgiveness is only a prayer of way. If we fall, let us fall to our knees in prayer to God that he may forgive us, but not let us fall into despair thinking God will no longer love us. God's desire for us is to live righteous, sinless lives. But he also realizes that we're fallen humanity and flesh, and so he gives us a way to still be saved, to receive forgiveness, because repentance is a continued lifestyle. Repentance is something that we should do every day, all the time. When we mess up, we should turn to God in repentance. Now, knowing this shouldn't be a crutch. It shouldn't be an excuse that we use when we fall or to give ourselves an excuse to sin because God knows the heart. There are sins that you're going to do. You really are going to be overtaken in attack. You're going to do things that you didn't want to do, and God understands that. But if you say, well, I can ask for forgiveness, so I'm going to go ahead and do this, that's a different situation, and you need to check your heart, and you need to pray about it. We should really be making every effort to put in effect what we've talked about in this podcast episode today so that we can see guaranteed victory. The more purposeful we are, the less we're going to succumb to attack. We shouldn't have to go to prayer and repentance all the time to God. We should do our best to live in a way that we rise above, that we recognize the attack, that we strategize, and we are prepared to do the right thing when we have the opportunity. Let us make it our continued purpose when the attack comes to always turn to God first in prayer, to use the Bible as our sword against the enemy. Let us put the full armor of God on daily, strengthening ourselves in the faith and removing everything that causes us to sin. These are the keys to guaranteed victory over the enemy, and they can be yours if you choose to take them, and especially if you choose to use them. Listening to this podcast isn't going to guarantee you victory. It's only if you use the things that we've talked about in this podcast episode today, if you do these things every day in your life, if you make a point to put this plan into action, 
that's when you'll have guaranteed victory. But if you just listen to this and hope that it's going to bring you guaranteed victory, I hate to tell you that that's not the case. It's going to require work and action on your part to have the victory. God will bring about the strength, but you have to bring about the willing vessel. You have to, that's what the effort's about. It's not that you're fighting this on your own or that you're bringing about your guaranteed victory. Everything we've talked about today is making yourself available and willing to focus on God and allow God to give you the victory in your life. I want you to have this victory, and I know that God does even more, and that's why he's provided us all this in his word. Everything we've talked about today has a Bible reference and a, and a call in the Bible to live this way. God wants you to have blessed victory over the enemy. So don't keep living in defeat and shame, but put the word of God into action and experience that victory. This is really all that I have for you guys today, and I know that this isn't easy, and it's really not what we want to hear. What we want to hear is an easy solution that doesn't require us to do anything, that doesn't require us to give anything up, but that doesn't exist. That's not real. That's not the way that we're going to have victory with God. We're going to have to do our part. It's going to require action. Sometimes we're simply going to have to do things. Now, again, I know that's not what you want to hear, but I know that it's the truth, and I know that if you'll be willing to accept it, that it will help you so very much. I do hope that this has been a help and an encouragement to you today. And as I get ready to close this out, I'd really just like to say a prayer for those who you are struggling in the attack. Lord, I pray that you would help these people that listen to this podcast, those who have made it this far, God, and even those who cut out early. God, I pray that you would touch their lives. I pray that you would help them to see the truth that we discussed in this podcast, to see the truth of Scripture, and to apply it in their lives. I pray, God, that you would touch hearts and minds, that you would give them strength, that you would help them to overcome the enemy's attacks. I pray that they would use what we've talked about today in order to have guaranteed victory in their life, as I know you want them to. I pray you would just help these people, bless them in their work, and may they grow to know you more and more and grow closer to you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, I hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you. And if it has, then please help us out by sharing, liking, commenting, subscribing, all those good things that every content creator asks you to do because they help the content go further. I truly believe that this is a message that can really touch some lives and help some people overcome what they are struggling with and what they are going through. But we can only reach so many people on our own. But with your help, we can reach countless other people that we may not have been able to reach otherwise. So we really need you. I hope that you'll pray about it at least and just help us by helping us to further this content. We're not looking for anything out of it except to see souls touched by the truth of God, for people to have more of God and less of themselves. And as always, that's really what we're talking about in every episode of this podcast. If you want guaranteed victory, then you need more of God and less of yourself. Yourself is weak, but God is strong. The more of God you have, the more ability you're going to have to have victory. And the way you have more God is through prayer, through studying His Word, through having the full armor of God on, which all draws you closer to Him, which is why removing things in your life that takes God's place. Anything that's drawing you to sin in your life, anything you're holding on to like that, is taking the place of God. All these things are going to give you more of God and less of your self. And that's what everybody needs. And I hope that you'll help us to reach everybody with this message and the other messages that God blesses us with by sharing this content. I hope that you guys will just do that to help us out and to go further. I'd love to hear from you. 
about anything and everything. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, if you have needs, I want to hear from you. Send me an email. Leave a comment. Send me an email at email at or sorry. I got all kinds of tongue tied and confused on that. When it's getting late, guys, I'm tired. But you can send me an email at moregod podcast at gmail.com. I promise you that's the real email address. You can send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get back with you. Let us know what we could improve on. Let us know what we could do better. And let us know what you want to hear about in further episodes of the podcast. Anything and everything you have to say, we want to hear from you. Good, bad, and indifferent. We want to hear it. Because it only helps us to do better in what we're trying to do in service to God. Until the next episode, I hope you guys have a great week. And God bless.